the Noon Report from Family Life, bringing a Christian worldview to what's happening in New York, Pennsylvania, across the country, and around the world. Weather with Kevin Williams, plus special features and reports with the Family Life News team. Now, here's what's happening. Good Thursday afternoon. Welcome to the broadcast. The March on Gaza continues for Israel as troops advance in the densely populated Palestinian territory, all in an effort to root out and destroy the Hamas terror network. Daniel Hagari is a spokesperson for the Israeli Defense Forces. Israelis and Palestinians alike deserve to live life in peace. Unfortunately, the leadership of Gaza, they have failed the people of Gaza miserably. Hamas says 200 Palestinians were killed when missiles fired from Israel struck a refugee camp for the second time this week. In northern Gaza, Israeli troops continue to take heavy losses as they tighten the noose around the neck of Hamas. Overnight, they targeted a number of cells in northern Gaza. These cells were using explosive devices and throwing grenades at IDF troops, according to the military. Israeli soldiers engaged them with the assistance of our artillery fire and tanks. We're also learning today that 242 hostages are confirmed to be held inside Gaza. Correspondent Trey Yink says 400 Americans remain inside Gaza. They're slated to leave today through the Rafa gate. Iowa Congressman Zach Dunn. Yesterday we saw the Biden administration take a victory lap, if you will, on evacuating Palestinians. We still have hundreds and hundreds of Americans trapped in Gaza. We don't want this to be Kabul 2.0 in Gaza where Americans are left behind. Meantime, President Biden is changing his tune when it comes to this war after initially rejecting calls for a ceasefire. He's now endorsing a humanitarian pause in the fighting to allow emergency aid to get to civilians and for rescue attempts of those hostages. On Capitol Hill, efforts to censure Michigan Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib for her anti-Israel remarks have failed. Too bad, says New York Congresswoman Elise Stefanik. She has been mimicking and parroting Hamas talking points. She should be censured. I voted to censure her. The vast majority of Republicans did so. And every Republican's going to have to defend their vote to their constituent. Tlaib, the only Palestinian-American in Congress called for an end to military aid for Israel. House Speaker Mike Johnson says he respects the 23 Republicans who voted no on that censure effort. There is a view here that if you go down that road and you begin to censor one another, you you kind of open a Pandora's box. Um, A lot of members of Congress say a lot of really foolish things. Congress voting today on a $14 billion aid package for Israel. Democrats don't like it because it removes the funding for Ukraine. Also on Capitol Hill, attempts to expel New York York Congressman George Santos have failed, and the embattled lawmaker is relieved. Being expelled from this body means that my voters are silenced. That is not how we go about removing members from Congress. We do that by elections, by winning and losing elections. The effort to remove Santos came from his fellow Republicans in New York. The congressman is accused of fraud. Next Tuesday, Ohio voters will decide the fate of a proposed constitutional amendment that, if approved, could open the floodgates to abortion on demand in the Buckeye State. So this is an issue at the end of the day that is so extreme, it's so radical, even pro-choice Ohioans are voting no. Mike Godakis is with Ohio Right to Life. What issue one does would literally enshrine abortion rights up to and through the ninth month of pregnancy in our state constitution. 
Ohioans don't support that. That's a bridge too far. Ohio voters will also decide issue two, which, if approved, would allow recreational marijuana in the Buckeye State. Donald Trump Jr. testifying again today at his dad's civil fraud trial in New York City. The case, brought on by New York's Attorney General Tish James, centers on whether the former president misled banks by inflating his net worth. Trump calls the case a continuation of the greatest political witch hunt of all time. Something happened last night in Phoenix, Arizona that has never happened before in big league baseball. won their first ever World Series, defeating the Diamondbacks 5 to nothing in five games. Eric Nadal with the Texas Rangers Radio Network. Ranger fans, you're not dreaming. The Rangers are the World Series champions. After 52 years in Texas, 63 years of the franchise. The wait is over. Texas never lost a road game in this year's postseason. The colorful and controversial men's college basketball coach, Bobby Knight, has died. Look at here, look at here. Bobby Knight just threw his chair. Across the free throw lane. Nicknamed the General Knight's fiery style, got him into trouble a lot on the basketball court. But former Hoosier Dan Dockich says he loved playing for him. And I'll argue with anybody, anybody, anytime, anywhere, when I say he's the best basketball coach to ever walk the sideline. He won with guys because he made us all tougher, he made us all smarter, and he made us all better. He always, always was about the players. Knight won three national championships with the Indiana Hoosiers. He also coached at Texas Tech and began his career at Army. More than anything else, (laughs) I really enjoy this game. Robert Montgomery Knight, one of college basketball's all-time greats, dead at 83. Still to come on the Noon Report, blockbuster ruling on greenhouse gases. Classes canceled at Cornell and talking turkey with our own Brian Query. Good afternoon. I'm Kevin Williams, the recent chill will be relenting over the next couple of days. More seasonable and reasonable temperatures are ahead. I'll have forecast details coming up in 10. All right, see you then. Thank you, Kevin. Checking the stories making news across New York and Pennsylvania. In a major ruling yesterday, the Commonwealth Court of Pennsylvania struck down the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative, or REGI for short. Here's Dennis Owens with ABC 27. This 10-page Commonwealth Court ruling, a red light, to the Greenhouse Gas Initiative. The court rules the controversial emissions regulations are unconstitutional because they were approved through executive order, not through legislative action. House Republican leader Brian Cutler calls the court decision the validation of the rule of law and our position that we've had all along. It is essentially a tax, and you can't levy a tax through an executive order. Reggie is a multi-state program enacted by former Governor Wolf that charges power companies for the pollution they generate. Environmental activist Katie Bloom promising an appeal. Today's ruling is not the final word on this matter, and we are confident that Pennsylvania can be and will be a leader in the clean energy economy. But Cutler says Reggie would cripple the Pennsylvania economy. We need to be a good place to do business, and this would have made us a bad place with high energy costs. He says the real winners from this ruling are Pennsylvania residents who will not suffer from higher electricity bills. Classes canceled today at Wayland Cohocton Central School 
northern Steuben County, New York. The sheriff says it's due to an online threat he would not elaborate. Cornell University is canceling classes tomorrow due to the extraordinary stress caused by recent threats directed at Jewish students. About 20% of Cornell's student population is Jewish. A junior there charged yesterday with making threats. He'll be held until his trial. Here's Family Life's Sarah Harnish. Prosecutors painted 21-year-old Patrick Dye as a flight risk and a danger in the courtroom in Syracuse Wednesday. He's been charged with one count of posting threats to kill or injure another. They say he posted online that he would, quote, shoot up 104 West, a kosher dining hall on the Cornell campus. The criminal complaint shows the FBI was alerted by several people after Dye allegedly posted graphic death threats against Jews half a dozen times under various usernames. He was arrested after a raid on his apartment. Bail was denied Wednesday, so he stays in jail until his next court hearing on November 15th. Sarah Harnish. Family Life News. The search for a missing University of Rochester professor has come to a tragic end. Police recovering the body of 44-year-old Heike Rantakeri from the Genesee River. He was last seen alive back on October 20th when he checked into an Airbnb in Rochester. Video shows Rantakeri falling off a bridge and into the water. Police do not suspect foul play. The tragic death of former Pittsburgh Penguins forward Adam Johnson has local hockey officials proposing mandatory neck guards for their players. Whether it is mandated or not, I tried to make sure that uh, everyone is protected as best as they can be. That is Patrick Coletti. He's the director of hockey operations for the Buffalo Junior Sabres. Given the circumstances of what happened overseas, obviously a lot more attention is being brought to that particular piece of equipment. So we'll see how things unravel here. Any guidance that I'm given from higher ups, those rules will be followed. The 29-year-old Johnson was killed in a freak accident while competing overseas in England. An opposing player's skate slashed his neck. He died on the way to the hospital. No word on whether that opposing player will be charged with a crime. Applications are now available for the New York State Tuition Assistance Program. Both part-time and full-time students who attend approved schools within the state can apply. The maximum TAP award is more than $5,000. Ethics Forms the topic of a roundtable discussion in New York City yesterday. State lawmakers discussed a possible constitutional amendment to restore the public's trust in their government. Good government watchdog Erica Vladimir says lawmakers have proven they cannot police themselves. And it is most often colleagues who have to decide to hold their colleague accountable. It won't happen. And then justice is gone. Proposed ethics reforms include greater regulation of lobbyists and financial disclosure statements. There's also talk of changing state law to codify sexual harassment as a violation of New York's public ethics code. Pennsylvania is sitting on billions of dollars in unclaimed money and property, and some of it could be yours. State Treasurer Stacey Garrity says one in every 10 households has unclaimed property. It really does take a fair amount of 
detective work to, to locate the tangible property owners. The past year, the state's returned approximately $274 million in unclaimed property to its rightful owners. That is the most amount of money ever returned by Treasury in a single year. Every year, we're going to keep setting the bar higher. We're really just going to keep trying to get the word out there. The average claim amounts to about $1,600. If you think you might be owed some money or property, check out patreasury.gov. That's patreasury.gov. Rocking around the Christmas tree at the Christmas This year's Rockefeller Center Christmas tree hails from not too far away, nearby Vestal, New York. The towering Norway spruce hails from the Binghamton area, and it'll be cut November 9th before it makes the journey down to Manhattan for a November 11th arrival. The tree will then be wrapped in more than 50,000 multicolored, energy-efficient LED lights and then crowned with a Swarovski star. The annual Rockefeller Center Christmas tree lighting ceremony and broadcast takes place November 29th, and the tree will be on display for visitors through January 13th. Liz Warner, New York. Can't believe we're talking about Christmas already. Well, before we get to Christmas, we must have Thanksgiving, and the cost of this year's Thanksgiving dinner may not be as foul as you think. Family Life's Brian Query. Something wild has happened with turkey prices that's going to make the cost of cooking the Thanksgiving meal more palatable this year. In a new report, the Wells Fargo Agri-Food Institute says there has been a, quote, big collapse in retail prices for turkey. Prices in October dropped 13% compared to the same month last year, and the decrease in shelf prices for the bird also coincides with an even more dramatic 29% slump in the wholesale price year to year. It's ultimately connected to supply and demand, and this year there are just way too many birds. With expected further discounts that traditionally come from retailers, this may be a year where turkeys really do get gobbled up. Brian Query, Family Life News. He's got away with words, doesn't he? Thank you, Brian. Let's switch gears next. Talk sports. It's the two-minute drill on Family Life. <laughs> Good afternoon, I'm Randy Snavely. Bob, the Texas Rangers are your World Series champions for the first time in franchise history. They beat the Arizona Diamondbacks 5-0 last night to win the Fall Classic, four games to one. The Rangers did it in unprecedented fashion, going 11-0 on the road during the postseason. Impressive. Last night, the D-backs, Zach Gallen, no hit Texas through six innings, but in the seventh, World Series MVP Corey Seager got an opposite field single, and he eventually came around to score on two more hits. Marcus Semien iced the game with a two-run shot in the ninth, and the Rangers began celebrating. The D-backs, my oh my, missed opportunities. They had runners in scoring position every inning through the first five, but failed to get the big hit, and that spelled their downfall. For Corey Seager, it is the second time he has been named MVP of the World Series. He won it in 2020 when he was with the Dodgers. Only Sandy Koufax, Bob Gibson, and Reggie Jackson have won multiple World Series MVPs, and now you can Add Corey Seager to the list. Action on the hardwood saw the Cavs get revenge on the Knicks, 95-89. Cleveland got 30 points from Donovan Mitchell to avenge their loss to New York two nights ago. The Nets won their second straight, coming from behind to defeat the Heat in Miami, 109-105. 
Legendary coach Bobby Knight has passed away at the age of 83. The Hall of Famer led Indiana to an undefeated season back in 1976. It has yet to be matched. And on the ice, the Sabres broke open a 2-2 game in the third with three goals to knock off the Flyers 5-2. That is a look at sports. Thank you, Randy Mann. Still to come on the Noon Report for a Thursday. Biden wants to hit the pause button on the war, poking fun at the news with satirist Seth Dillon of the Babylon Bee and a break from the cold. Kev's got your forecast right after this. Welcome to Breakpoint, a daily look at an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. The Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. Mark Twain famously said that history doesn't repeat itself, but it often rhymes. And a new film, Golda, which stars Helen Mirren, provides evidence of that maxim. A surprise Arab attack is carried out on the nation of Israel in the first week of October. An embattled Israeli prime minister fights to secure American support. There are whispers of Russian involvement, even atrocities in Ukraine. But Golda is not a film about 2023. It recalls the remarkably similar story of 1973. In fact, the history of Israel and the wider story of the millennia-long persecution of the Jews can feel somewhat like a broken record. No matter the era, no matter the region, no matter the culture, Jacob's children find themselves in the crosshairs of their neighbor's hatred. In the 5th century BC, the royal advisor Haman whined to his king, There's a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among the peoples in all the provinces of your kingdom. Their laws are different from those of every other people. They do not keep the king's laws, so it is not the king's profit to tolerate them. Of course, Haman was speaking of the Jewish people. Jewish historian Josephus described tensions that simmered between Jews and Greeks in Egypt from the 4th century and how that conflict had erupted in his day into riots and before the slaughter had stopped, left some 50,000 Jews dead. In a remark that could have absolutely been taken from today's newspaper reports, the historian declared this, some were caught in the open field, others forced into their houses, which were plundered and set on fire. The Romans showed no mercy to the infants, had no regard for the aged, and went on in the slaughter of persons of every age. Well, over the next few hundred years, that anti-Semitism was, with some notable exceptions, sadly baptized by an emerging Christian culture. Some of this can be attributed to simply accommodating to bad cultural norms, some to seeking revenge for earlier Jewish persecution of Christians, some to significant theological issues that continue to affect Jewish-Christian relationships to this day. In a tragic replaying of the kind of persecution that was afflicted on the early church by Roman pagans, Christians scapegoated Jews for bad harvests, for plagues, for political misfortune. And attacks against the Jews only increased with the evolving of a more secularized modern age. Ancient prejudices took on modern forms, fed by different conspiracy theories held across various segments of society. And the horrifying capstone of the anti-Semitism in the modern age was, of course, the final solution of the Nazis. Sadly, the story of Jew hatred continues even today, and the conspiracy junkie who sees the Rothschilds behind every event to the equally abhorrent critical theory claims about Israeli occupation and oppression. From these two ends of the Western political spectrum, the Jews have once again been cast into a villainous role they do not deserve. Despite being an emotionally heavy movie, Golda ends with an optimistic note. Through the peace that ended the war between Israel and Egypt, steps began, which 50 years later have led to an increasing number of treaties between Arabs and Israelis. And though we're rightly outraged by the kind of vile comments that some in the West have given in support of the atrocities of Hamas, nearly every Western government has, to some degree, stood up for Israel in this situation. And even many Muslim states have either stayed quiet or voiced support. 
Will this current crisis lead to a greater stability as the previous crisis did described in the film? We don't know. What we do know is that this history did not begin yesterday and it will not be culminated tomorrow. But even when history does rhyme, it doesn't have to repeat. We live in God's world. He promises to make all things new. We know that's how the story ends. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with Breakpoint. All right, John, thank you for that. Outside next, Kevin Williams. Here is your family life weather forecast. The call for this afternoon is a mixture of clouds and sunshine, high temps in the 40s. Partly cloudy tonight, low temperatures, mid-20s to mid-30s. Tomorrow, some sunshine turning milder and breezy, high in the 50s. There may be a shower for some Friday night or Saturday morning. Clouds and limited sun Saturday with high temperatures in the 50s. All right, thank you very much, Kevin. This is the Noon Report on Family Life. I'm your host, Bob Price. Here's what's happening this Thursday afternoon, the 2nd of November. The Israeli military says ground troops have reached the gates of Gaza City as they continue efforts to dismantle and destroy the terror group Hamas. Israel Defense Forces footage of its troops operating deeper inside Gaza. A Hamas video shows its fighters emerging from tunnels and firing at Israeli tanks. But it is the civilians inside Gaza who now bear the brunt of this war. Obliterated homes turned into children's graveyards. Israel has urged civilians to flee to safer ground in the south, but the bombs fall there too. People are running from death to death, says Yasmin Judah. For most in Gaza, there is no escape. Correspondent Deborah Pata on Capitol Hill. Congress is voting today on an aid package for Israel. House Speaker Mike Johnson. Israel doesn't need a ceasefire. It needs its allies to cease with the politics and deliver support now. And that's what we're doing. Texas Congressman Mike McCall says key to Israel winning this war is to keep the Saudis on our side. They understand the enemy of the enemy is my friend, and that is Iran. They fear Iran the most. They don't like Hamas's uh, tie and allegiance to Iran, uh, nor Hezbollah. President Biden, meantime, is now calling for a humanitarian pause in the fighting to aid in the rescue effort of the more than 240 hostages that Hamas is holding. Reporter Roth Sanders. After being interrupted by a protester demanding a ceasefire, the president responding, quote, I think we need a pause. Yesterday, Israeli warplanes hit a refugee camp in northern Gaza for the second time in two days, targeting what Israel says was a military command center deliberately hidden underneath civilian homes. 400 Americans are still trapped in Gaza. They're expected to get out through Egypt today. The Cornell University student who police say threatened to kill Jewish students is being held without bail. Patrick Day, a 21-year-old engineering student from Pittsburgh, New York, shuffled into federal court in Syracuse Wednesday in a jail jumpsuit. He waived his right to a bail hearing. Prosecutors said Day allegedly posted threats on a website to shoot up a kosher dining hall and to behead a pig baby Jew. Governor Kathy Hochul. We will not tolerate threats or hatred or anti-Semitism. If convicted, Day could face five years behind bars and a $250,000 fine. He's been suspended by the Ithaca Ivy League School. Sarah Lee Kessler, New York. In other news, this Thursday afternoon, Texas takes it all. Struck him out looking! It's over! It's over! The Rangers beat the D-backs Game 5 of the World Series last night to claim their first ever World Championship. Their first in their 63-year history. Rangers win the World Series! 
They were powered all series long by shortstop Corey Seager, who became just the fourth player in history to win multiple World Series MVPs. Just happy to be a part of this team and how we grinded and played through it. You know, it's just it's awesome right now. Television ratings throughout the series were dismal, but fans in Arlington don't care. Their team finally sits atop the baseball world. Reporter Omar Villafranca in Phoenix today. Legendary college basketball coach Bobby Knight has died. He led the Indiana Hoosiers to three national titles, but also had a fiery temper that got him into trouble. There were times when Coach Knight would get ejected from games, but he did it on purpose to fire up his team. College basketball commentator Ken Bickoff. Throwing the chair is the most famous uh, moment, but it seemed like every year there was some kind of controversy on and off the court. And that off-the-court behavior ended up uh, costing him his job at Indiana. Bobby Knight began his career at Army. He also coached at Texas Tech. He passed away following a lengthy illness. Robert Montgomery Knight, the general, was 83. A legal challenge is underway in Minnesota to keep Donald Trump off the ballot in next year's presidential election. Pauline Lee has the latest from St. Paul. At issue is the insurrection clause in the 14th Amendment. big question is whether it bars former President Trump from being able to appear on a ballot or become president again because of his role in the insurrection at the U.S. Capitol on January 6th of 2021. The Trump 2024 eligibility case is before the Minnesota Supreme Court. And a brand new song debuts today from a group that stood the test of time, the Beatles. Talk about a long and winding road. AI technology was able to extract the late John Lennon's voice from a 1970 cassette recording and add in guitar parts George Harrison created before his death in 2001 for Paul McCartney. All of those memories come flooding back. My God, how lucky was I to have those men in my life. Now and Then was the last unreleased song from that 1978 cassette. This will likely be the last Beatles single. Vicki Barker's London. And this is the Noon Report, a Thursday edition. Next up, a special report from Family Life's Greg Gillespie. Poking fun at the news. Today we speak with Seth Dillon. He is the CEO of the Babylon Bee. Seth, your official biography says that the Babylon Bee is the world's most trusted, factually accurate news source for real-world events and public figures. I even looked you up on I looked you up on X and Twitter, and you self-identify as a trafficker in misinformation under the guise of satire. Does that tell us anything (laughs) about what people see when they look over at the Babylon Bee? Yeah, I hope so. I hope it's clear that those are kind of tongue-in-cheek references. We've been accused of trafficking and misinformation under the guise of satire, but what we actually do is just real satire. We're doing parody of the news that's going on, which is honestly a challenging project in today's kind of insane world. For you and your Babylon Bee crew to report on real news when people on both sides of the spectrum say that real news sources, the traditional ones, are full of fake news. What's that like for you to be in that kind of a context where it's hard to out-satire the real news? It is a bit of a challenge to stay a step ahead of the curve when, when reality is so insane. I mean, we've got, we're supposed to be able to believe that 
men can become pregnant, that math is racist. All these things are just so wildly insane. So yes, satire is difficult in that environment. It's challenging. And what ends up happening is sometimes you'll tell a joke and it comes true like a week or two later because, you know, the world's just that nuts. What are some of your favorite headlines or stories that Babylon Bee has covered in the last month or so? Well, I mean, some examples of ones that have come true are, those are always fun and interesting to recap, but we also have a lot of fact checks too. I mean, we've done really silly articles like CNN purchase his industrial-sized washing machine to spin the news in before publishing it. And it got fact-checked by Snopes and rated false, which is just insane. Um, We even did a joke about how the Ninth Circuit Court had overturned the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, which was fact-checked by USA Today. Even a a great Trump joke we did about how Trump had claimed to have done more for Christianity than Jesus. We did that joke back in 2019, and then last year he actually said he'd done more for Christianity than any other person in history. So it's fun when the jokes come true. We're talking with Seth Dillon of the Babylon Bee. He will be at Hershey, Pennsylvania next week for the Pennsylvania Family Institute. What has happened yeah. with humor in the past decade? It used to be, again, Saturday Night Live, Conan O'Brien, Johnny Carson, Mad Magazine could make fun of celebrities politicians, family members. What's happened with humor in recent years? Well, there's been a couple of things that have disrupted humor and comedy. They've kind of roped off certain areas that you're not allowed to go into. Comedians, for whatever reason, have kind of gone along with that. Instead of trying to continually poke holes in whatever the popular narrative is and challenge the powers that be, they've kind of gone along with the promoters of the popular narrative and they show them deference and stay hands off on the things that are really mockable that that should be made fun of. There's very few comedians out there, for example, today who are willing to make fun of or poke any holes in the narrative that, you know, gender affirming care for kids is a good idea. You'll see it occasionally. Bill Maher recently talked about how when he was a kid, he wanted to be a pirate. Thank God no one scheduled him for eye removal and peg leg surgery. You know, I think that's a good joke. And it's it's a joke that you don't hear often from comedians because most of them are just trying to prop up this popular narrative instead of challenge it. I think uh, comedians are scared. They're scared of being canceled. And that's the new thing is this cancel culture, this mob that enforces whatever the narrative is by applying pressure to people to censor themselves and avoid certain topics. It's all just speech control. Will the Babylon Bee censor itself on things? Is everything fair game for you? We're not afraid of speaking the truth. In response to USA Today naming Rachel Levine as transgender health admiral in the Biden administration, USA Today named Rachel Levine woman of the year, this is a male person we're talking about, is transgender. You know, our response to that was to name Rachel Levine our pick for man of the year, which was considered misgendering and Twitter knocked us off the platform for it and wanted us to delete the joke and we refused. So, I mean, we've been willing to pay a price for making the jokes that you're not supposed to make and for saying true things. You know, we're, we're unafraid of that, come what may. I mean, we were willing to stay off Twitter forever. We were just lucky that the richest man in the world decided he would buy the platform and restore us. Humor is an effective way of communicating the truth. It's a vehicle for truth delivery. In fact, I, I say all the time that the reason they're after us is it's not just that the, the people who attack the bee and, and call it misinformation or try to get a shutdown for hate speech or whatever. It's not just that they're humorless scolds. I used to think that was the case. They're really actually after the, the truth. They, they don't want the truth to be uttered. And comedy is a great way of speaking the truth. I, I think Chesterton said it best when he said, humor can get in under the door while seriousness is still fumbling at the handle. That's why the satirist and the, the humorist are some of the first the tyrants go after. Seth Dillon is among the voices. He is the CEO of the Babylon Bee. I'm Greg Gillespie, Family Life News. 
All right, Greg, thank you. Dylan will be headlining the Pennsylvania Family Institute's annual Friends of the Family Banquet. It's coming up Monday night in Hershey, PA. This is the Noon Report on Family Life. A very good afternoon. Here is your Family Life regional weather forecast. The call for this afternoon is a mixture of clouds and sunshine, high temps in the 40s. Partly cloudy tonight, low temperatures, mid-20s to mid-30s. Tomorrow, some sunshine turning milder and breezy, high in the 50s. There may be a shower for some Friday night or Saturday morning. Clouds and limited sun Saturday with high temperatures in the 50s. All right, thank you very much, Kevin. Finally from us at noon today. Follow the yellow brick road. Follow the yellow brick road. Follow the yellow brick road. It's not exactly the yellow brick road, rather a mysterious yellow line that's appeared for the second time this month, smack dab in the middle of a Florida highway. How'd that happen? Drivers are understandably miffed. It's a little bit confusing. I'd be a little worried. I wasn't sure which way was the line to go on. Gonna take him a while to fix it. I think it's a accident hazard. Because there's a yellow line like the yellow line on the other side. Especially if they're out of town, they're not really looking at if that's the line that goes where it's supposed to go at. I can see how that could get a little bit confusing. A paint leak from a road construction truck is thought to be responsible for this. State DOT officials are working to erase the superfluous Florida stripe from that pavement as soon as possible. And that's the world we live in. Thursday, the 2nd of November. I'm Bob Price. Family Life News. You've been listening to the Noon Report. Heard weekdays on Family Life. Thank you for listening. Thank you.